Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. Thanks for joining us. Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall with you again. Jordan, it's been a good week. We're, we're, you know, finishing up this first week of training camp. Everyone back out on the ice with the health and safety procedures, protocols in place, which is, you know, the utmost important thing. Um, but beside that, we see some Elaine Vigneault talks, the Jack Adams uh, Award. He's a finalist for that as well as Oscar Lindblom and some other news just with the expectations of the overall play coming up here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But first and foremost, let's start with Elaine Vigneault, don't we? I mean, this is a guy that we've been talking about, Jordan, all season long. A popular guy. We know how transparent he is for his team. We know what he's done throughout his um, you know, veteran coaching resume, if you put it at that. But is this a surprise to you? Because I certainly was like, thank you. It's about time. It's about time. Like, and you're waiting for the next thing. But it's a, it's a deserving honor that I would see him getting. But it's good to see he's nominated. Yeah, very cool to see him nominated for the Jack Adams Award. And Katie, some of the writers and myself were just joking that we would be appalled if he was not a finalist. It really would be um, just a joke if he was not one of the finalists. And he is. Uh, and I think he might be the front runner. As we know, he's going up against Bruce Cassidy, who coached the league best Bruins, and John Tortorella of the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets obviously dealt with a pretty crazy offseason in which they lost a lot. Then they dealt with injuries. Um, I think he's kind of like the third guy out of the three, John Tortorella, that is, just because um, his team probably wouldn't have made the playoffs if things finished uh, the way it it would have. But now he's kind of in the discussion because his team's in the playoffs with the 2014 tournament. But I really think Vigneault's the front runner and deservedly so, Katie. What do you think? Well, yeah, I was actually going to ask you, too. Like, naturally, you don't think John Tortorella, like, who would have been in that third spot? I see what you mean overall. His team, yeah. you know, Bjorkstrand, Seth Jones, all of them, the injuries that were adding up, especially before that pause. Isn't that interesting, though, how, how now, you know, you're in the talks? Do you think, though, that if we weren't, you know, in this position that we are now, the season was over in whatever way, without this pause, would he still be considered John Tortorella? Yeah, I really don't think he would have been a top three guy. I think the whole making the playoffs changes the whole perception of what they, they did. Uh, and I think John Torello is a really good coach, and I think what he did oh, right. He's entertaining. Was, I mean, how could you not love that guy? I was just telling you before we went live, another funny clip. Like, whenever right. he's on my Twitter feed, you know it's going to be, like, 10 out of 10 content. Yeah, I think he's very popular among media and stuff, so and broadcasters. <laughs> so I think that, that definitely played into it, um, absolutely. Um, I think maybe, if, yeah, the season – um, finished in the typical fashion with only 16 teams. Maybe it'd be Mike Sullivan as that third guy, maybe Jared Bender of the Avalanche. Right, uh, yeah. But, hey, the Blue Jackets are in. Uh, they have a chance. 
uh, and John Torella is getting recognized for that. Um, I, and and a, a really interesting note to me is that uh, only two coaches over the past 20 years, only two President's Trophy winning coaches over the last 20 years have won the Jack Adams. So Bruce Cassidy obviously coached the President's Trophy winning Bruins, but uh, typically it, it, it's a, an award that kind of goes to a team that really turned it around, um, a team that was not good and was not expected to be good. And the Flyers were a team that really turned it around from last year to this year. Um, they were not exactly expected to be where they are. Uh, and Elaine Vigneault is a huge credit to that. So I, I, yeah. I think he'll be the front runner. Yeah, and you asked me my thoughts on that. Like, of course, I, I'm a big Elaine Vigneault person. I, I liked him from the start, you know, at training camp, just seeing his uh, sort of just the, the way that he, you know, gets the team's respect right away. Like, he's been through this. Jordan, we've even had, you know, articles before N10s just about, like, why he's made such an impact. Like, what this isn't any – big news. Elaine Vigneault, in his first year with teams, there's just something about the way he can turn it around. But I feel like for him too, um, with the Flyers, uh, in this first year, he has, like, this is one of the most success, successful years he's been able to have. Um, I think he's deserving of this award without a doubt. I think he's the front runner. I think the way, when you especially look at the Flyers in comparison, of course, to the Bruins, who are a very great team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, but it's just the story of the Flyers being able to turn this around from the goaltending to the depth to your younger players that were able to really develop in this system. Point being, you know, Joel Farabee, for for example, it, it started, of course, with Elaine Vino, but the whole veteran coaching staff, I think, it just adds, you know, even more light behind him to help out and just be a good leader. And of course, it, you have to give credit to Chuck Fletcher. Uh, but when we really get into it, you want him to see. You want to see him win this award. I mean, I at least do, Jordan. I would think you do too. Any Flyers fans as well. Just knowing, you know, what what he's been able to do in this last season, and us just staying true to that and focusing in on that tunnel vision on the Flyers all the time. Absolutely. But I, I think when we especially look at, you know, the, the the Stanley Cup playoffs, the round robin coming up, and you know, followed by hopefully a good deep playoff run for the Flyers. It is, you know, you're confident. You feel that you're in good hands. And, you know, talking to, you know, in our return to play show, Jim Jackson even mentioned that. Like, he, he and Taryn Hatcher, they both have the same thing to say, that this is a coach, you know, if you're in this position, a very uncertain circumstance overall around this world. But in with this hockey team, with the Flyers, and to get through it, to battle through it, it really does start with Elaine Vino. And by that, we, we even heard from players throughout this week, Justin Braun, you know, mentioning to – Quote, unquote, he set the standard of what he expects every night. Guys went out there and they did their jobs. Um, and, you know, that respect, it started early. And I feel like, yeah, overall, this success, why not? This is the front runner for this award, without a doubt. I agree. And I think what he's done is exactly what Chuck Fletcher alluded to when they introduced him as head coach in April 2019. Chuck Fletcher wanted a guy that was going to kind of come in and demand respect. Um, he talked about Elaine Vigneault. When he walks into a room, there's presence to him, and he catches eyes. And I think he did that with the Flyers. I think he came into a veteran group that had not won a whole lot, um, had struggled to sometimes make the playoffs, and then when they made the playoffs, they couldn't get past the first round. And they needed some direction. They needed a guy that had kind of been there, done that, and Vigneault did that. Uh, you think about it, last season, in 82 games, they had 82 points. This year – in 13 fewer games, they have 89 points. They were on pace to break 100, maybe get 105, 106. Uh, what Vigneault has done with a group that definitely improved in the offseason. Don't get us wrong. We love the acquisitions of Kevin Hayes, of Matt Niskanen, of Justin Braun, Tyler Pitlick. But, you know, those aren't any 
hey, eight-year deal for Artemi Panarin, or I'm not saying that's what Panarin got. But, you know, they, none of those acquisitions were big, loud bangs that made you think, hey, the Flyers are going to go from one tier to the next. They were quality additions, but Vigneault really put his imprint on this team. And the experience has spoken volumes, absolutely. Um, and I think the Flyers could not be happier. It had me thinking yesterday, Katie, there was so much buzz about Joel Quimble. So many Flyers fans wanted Joel Quimble. Joel Quimble, guys won three cups. He's out there on the market. Let's go get him. And he clearly was set on Florida. He went to the Florida Panthers. That's clearly what he wanted uh, from, the, from Jump Street. And when they got Vigneault, there was, you know, some buzz. But there really, you know, I think a lot of fans kind of questioned it. And they felt like he was the second to third best guy. I think the Flyers are pretty thrilled to, to have Vigneault in place. The Jack Adams finalists, uh, to be one of three finalists says a lot. And then if they go on a run, man, uh, I think that will be an A-plus addition for the Flyers. And, Katie, it's funny. We've seen so much of the success that he brings as a coach, obviously, with turning the Flyers around and knowing the game and having been at three previous organizations and, and winning with those teams. But we've started to get to know him a little bit more, Aline Vigneault, on the personal side. And I think the city has really embraced him in that way. Um, he's a fun, lighthearted guy, but he's also serious and, he, and he's a leader. So I think the team has embraced him on the personal side, the human side of Elaine Vigneault. And I didn't know that about him before he came to Philadelphia. And I've enjoyed getting to know him on the personal side. We got a glimpse of that this week uh, in a story of Elaine Vigneault going back home to Quebec and seeing his parents for the first time during quarantine. A very heartwarming, touching side. Uh, this story comes to us from Zach Hill, the team's Senior Director of Communications. Let's listen to that interview with Elaine Vigneault and the head coach seeing his parents for the first time in quarantine. Well, it was the, the, the first day that I was officially allowed to come, come out after my 14-day quarantine. This was on where? This was back in Gatineau, okay. back in Canada. After I, I got back, uh, first trip I made was to uh, my parents' residence. Uh, my mom and dad were before on the fifth floor. Now my mom, suffering from dementia, had to be moved to a 24-hour service on the second floor. But the first day that I was able to come out, went to see my parents. They got out on the balcony. My dad came down, got out on the balcony on the second floor, took a picture, talked for a couple minutes. It was just, it was real cold, and it was a good day though for my mom. That day she recognized me, so that's a real positive day. It was a good day. It was it was all good and. Ever since the beginning of May, that you know, that's what my sister and I have been doing. Is uh, you know, every other day we we go over. And but now for the last uh, three weeks to a month, my it's opened up. My dad can travel, can can do his errands, can go out of of the residence. So it's uh, it's coming along in Canada in in a in a positive way. This was the highlight of your quarantine, right? There's no doubt that uh, being able to go out and see my parents. They my dad had been. Uh, in the residence, everything was shut down. There's, they couldn't go out of their apartments. They couldn't, uh, other than by phone or by FaceTime, they couldn't see anybody or talk. So uh, that was the first time. It was, it was good for everybody. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. What an awesome, heartwarming story. Uh, Vigneault seeing his parents in their senior residence. Uh, his mom obviously suffers from dementia, and I just thought it was so cool to hear Vigneault say, "Hey, it was, you know, it's a cold. It was a cold May day in Canada, 
Um, but that was a good day for my mom and she, she recognized me and that was a good day for me. Uh, really cool to see Vigno and that side of him. I feel like we always see that serious head coach side of him. Yeah. Uh, great to, to hear those personal stories. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we talked the numbers earlier, just how he's been able to turn things around. But also, Jordan, you also alluded to his personality and how light he keeps things. I think that's another really key factor about how successful this coach has been. He puts that trust again in the, the players. He has that respect. But they also know that they can, you know, be, he can be transparent with them. They can talk through things and just be that good outlet. With that, I always love seeing the human side of people. Of course, he's a hockey coach, but he's a human being. Same with the players. They're all human beings too. But, um, you know, hoping the best for his parents, there's nothing better than hearing that he was able to see them. Um, you know, he mentioned too, that was his favorite moment of the whole quarantine, of the, the whole pause. And that's the biggest thing too. We miss sports a lot. Of, you know, we don't have any sports on TV. But even I know for me, Jordan, this has been a great time to really Focus on the simple things. Always try to find something positive in your day. Here I am giving, you know, a nice motivational speech, but it really is so amazing when you see that, you know, in such a dark time, like there is able to be something great come about from that. Um, and with him being able to see his parents, who knows, you would have been playing a hockey season. Um, you would have been busy throughout that time. So always love hearing that and happy to hear he was able to get in there. But with that, talking about the human side of things, I want to, you know, I want to uh, move on to Oscar Lindblom, another great story throughout this. And it's fun to be able to say that, you know, he, he rang the bell, one of my favorite moments um, this season that I've been able to see with the Flyers. You have to be so happy for him. And now you see him nominated for the Bill Masterton trophy um, or yeah, he's a finalist for that. Uh, and, you know, with this, it's the player who best exemplifies perseverance, sportsmanship and dedication to hockey. Jordan, going through each of those, Talking with perseverance, how could you argue that, you know, off of the ice, this human being, away from everything you see, that he isn't a role model, that kids don't look up to him to be able to do this. I even look up to him, and I believe he's a little bit younger than me. I think so many different people, sports fans or not, you're a human being, and to see someone do this, overcome this, and be so positive at the same time, um, I know this, you know, would be taken perseverance hockey-wise, but... He just has both of those tied into it, both the human side and the hockey side. I truly believe this is so deserving for Oscar Lindblom. Could not agree more. Oscar Lindblom, like you said, Katie, exemplifies perseverance. You think about it, he was on pace to have a career year. He, he had such a promising start to the season, 11 goals. He's on pace to have 30. He's only 23 years old. Everything is going right for him. His hard work has paid off. And then his world is completely flipped upside down with a sudden cancer diagnosis in December. And he could have sulked, he could have felt bad for himself, and no one would have blamed him if he did. Uh, but he doesn't, and what do you know, six and a half months later, he rings that bell to signify the end of his radiation treatments. And Limblom, according to his medical team, is now deemed without evidence of cancer at this time. How cool is that? And I, I hope he wins it. If he doesn't, there's, there'll be no shame. I know the other two candidates are very deserving, uh, but, what a great story. And I thought what was really neat about it too was Elaine Vigneault when he spoke about his Jack Adams nomination as a finalist. He, one of the first things he brought up was Oscar Lindblom and how proud he was of his team and the way they responded to that and rallied behind Oscar and how Oscar fought for the Flyers and the Flyers fought for him. And Elaine Vigneault has been there, done that with Jack Adams. He's won it once. He's finished second three times. So this is not new to him, but he said this one was a little extra special I think uh, he said that, and I think it was a lot of that. It was because of the Oscar Lindblom situation and how Oscar really um, 
personified Philly, personified fight and courage. And his team really backed him in that fight. Uh, I think it was just really special. And I could not agree more, Kitty, with you and that sentiment of just what a great human aspect story that uh, we've we've gotten to be around uh, with this Flyers team. Yeah, and when you say, too, Elaine Vigneault said that Limblom, you know, brought this team together, Jordan, let's not forget, too, he brought the whole entire NHL together. He brought all NHL fans together. This was something such, of course, just so saddening to see him, see that diagnosis, as you mentioned. It was really upsetting. He was, he was on a roll. He was doing well. But now you see just this hope and this love and, and everything from, you know, the hockey community that really, even for me, been around this for a while and this was something that opened my eyes you know what they're capable of and it didn't matter if you were a Flyers fan or not like I don't care what team you're with it was we're seeing all the all the different players uh, wear their Oscar Strong shirts it was a nightly thing it was so great to be seeing that support coming from the players coming from the coaches and yeah I'll just um, emphasize that again it came from the fans too but you know, the, the other two points of course of that award sportsmanship and dedication to hockey I feel like that all ties in just what he was able to do, obviously, too, you remember after, you know, several, it was at least a couple games this season, being down there outside the dressing room. And, you know, Jake Voracek, I remember even saying, like, we are so happy to see him there. Like, they are playing for him in a way. They were excited to have him there. It was like, they're all behind Oscar to win, to win out there and, and, you know, to fill in, you know, that void and do it all for him. So I, I believe, you know, he brought the Flyers community together, but once again, overall, this entire NHL community, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the sportsmanship side of the award. He was a pretty good sport. He routinely came to the facility when he could and when it was deemed safe and just totally uplifted the flyer spirits, had a, had a smile on his face every single time, and the, the team would respond to it. They would. Kevin Hayes said to us, you know, when, you, when we would complain about our problems, but then we would see Oscar – our problems became extremely minuscule. Um, right, I remember that. Them, yeah, it just provided them perspective. So that's why I think uh, it's so special about Oscar Lindblom. He made them better on the ice when he was playing, but he also made them better on the ice when he wasn't playing, just in terms of his spirit, his positivity, and his, uh, just providing this team perspective. I really, truly think uh, they would not be where they are if it was not for Oscar Lindblom. Uh, yeah, and – I was just going to say, no matter what, Jordan, I, I would think we agree on this as well, that if he wins this award or not, we do think he should. Yeah. But an award won't mean that he is the amazing person he is right now, like with or without it. Yes, it would just exemplify more of that. But if he doesn't get it, this is a player that we will, I will always be a huge fan of. Like he, he is an amazing person on and off the ice. We know that dealing with him, you know, on the media side of things. And you just always hope the best. You hope to see him back out there. But no matter what, it's just so great to see him healthy. And we are happy with or without this award. I would have to say, I would have to speak for you too. 100% Katie, he's a winner. He's a winner in this city. That's for, for darn sure. And I know Oscar Lindblom uh, has a birthday next month in August. Um, I hope he enjoys it. I hope he celebrates with family and friends. I believe he's trying to get back home. If he's not home already, I believe he's trying to plan a trip back home uh, to Sweden. So um, I hope uh, he gets back home and, and gets to celebrate uh, such a great moment and his birthday, 24th birthday for Oscar Lindblom. NBC Universal has something new for you. Peacock, the new streaming service that has all of the best TV shows, including Everybody Loves Raymond and King of Queens, plus great movies, including my favorite, Ted. Peacock is also the exclusive home for all of NBC Sports' free Premier League coverage. In Deep with Ryan Lochte, 
and Lost Speedways, hosted by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Learn more at PeacockTV.com. Oscar Limbaum is a young guy, a guy that we just started to get to know, a guy that we know well from his time here, a guy who has been in this city and has played a long time. He's actually the longest tenured athlete uh, in this city, Claude Giroux. There will be a lot of talk about him, of course, as always. Whenever you're talking Flyers, you're talking Claude Giroux, especially come playoff time. Uh, Katie, he has looked really good in training camp. I wrote about it uh, in an article for NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Um, it's not anything new, but the more I watch him, the more I see him just make plays, especially after a long layoff. He has looked so good in training camp. His skill, his smarts, that's just never going to go away. He's a guy I thoroughly, genuinely think can play into his 40s. He's 32 now, but I would not be surprised if he goes into his 40s. Uh, but he'll be a guy to watch in the playoffs, Katie. Uh, and the good thing is – this team's a little deeper this year. It's deeper than what it's been in the years past. There's always been a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I, for one, think the deeper this team, the less pressure there will be on Drew. And I think that could lead us to seeing a better Drew in these playoffs. Uh, Katie, what's your thoughts on his, his role going into this? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, the, the load is a little lighter as far as, the, you know, the weight he's carrying. Um, he fortunately has that team, like you mentioned, that depth and, and even the goaltending that's been standing out to, you know, seal the deal behind him for the most part. But no matter what, you know, whether you're a veteran player or a young rookie like Joel Farabee or even Carter Hart, this is his first playoff experience. Um, this is so different for anybody. Of course, Drew has been through different things throughout his career, but having an almost five-month hockey hiatus – then getting right back into playing the Stanley Cup playoffs without any fans, um, without any home ice advantage. There are so many different things that you're just, no matter what you're not prepared for, but if anybody's going to be able to help the team get through it, it has to be Claude Drew. This is your captain. This is your guy that, again, he's been around. He's been in these high-energy games that were different in the playoffs when he has played them before. But um, you're going to be counting on him. Of course, it starts with Elaine Vino. We mentioned him earlier, how important that coaching staff is going to be as far as getting the guys uh, up and running again. We've heard, you know, from different players, Justin Bond even mentioning it's sort of like a training camp right now, but it's a little bit accelerated, but they also have to be safe. There's so many different things. And, you know, away from that coaching staff, the next level down, who is it? It's Claude Drew. He's got to be that captain. He's got to be that leader. Um, guys are going to be struggling. They're going to be away from their families. I know Drew's in that same boat. Um, a young one at home, a wife at home, and now you're really going to have to go out and have a very different circumstance. I think it's going to be starting with him on and off the ice. That's going to be your main guy. 100%. And a, a, a funny topic, or not a funny topic, but a, a topic that's been a popular one throughout this whole process uh, of the Flyers has been Ron Hextall, the former general manager, built up a lot of youth, and he never quite paired or got bigger, older veterans. He, his whole process was we were going to be competitive in the present and we were going to really push towards the future by drafting and developing. And he did an excellent job at that. But a lot of people always thought, well, Drew is getting older and when will, these, when was, when will this youth movement kind of meet Claude Drew's peak? And it never quite got there. And it was. It was a lot of pressure on Claude Drew. This year, I think we saw bigger strides, and Ron Hextall even admitted that in an interview with John Clark, our own John Clark. He said, um, our youth never quite took the strides that we were expecting it to, and he said, this year it has. And he was right. You looked at Travis Konechny, he had a breakout season. He became an all-star. Oscar Lindblom, before his diagnosis, was taking a massive stride. Um, some of the young D, Travis Sanheim, uh, really started oh, to blossom. 
Uh, so yeah. you really saw guys starting to really come into their own. Joel Farabee, who was the draft pick of Ron Hextall, uh, made the team and was starting to make an impact. So I think that's why we've seen a better team this year. Drew hasn't had to do as much. And I think when you, you, when you lose a playoff series and you don't score as much, the onus always falls on that one of those best star players. Well, he didn't score as much. Well, this year, I think if the Flyers win a series, win a first-round series and a second-round series, Drew will not have to score as much, but it won't be as much of a spotlight on him because they won. And they won this year when Drew didn't score. So I think Drew's going to be important, and I think people will, of course, look at his offensive production. But I think we're seeing a lot more help around him, and it's not going to be as much under the microscope as we've seen in the past. And good for the Flyers. They've put things around. They put people around him. Youngsters have stepped up. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Katie, just going into our next topic, depth guys, guys that, you know, can help some of the star players. Two of those guys really could be Nate Thompson and Joel Farabee. Farabee, we mentioned just a second ago, um, a young rookie, only 20 years old, who started to really come into his own down the stretch. And then Nate Thompson is a a veteran who has played in 60-plus playoff games. He's played in a Western Conference Final, an Eastern Conference Final. And he was actually brought on board. Chuck Fletcher mentioned it, uh, that when they acquired him at the trade deadline, a, a really attractive aspect to him was that he's a veteran center who could take face-offs on the PK and actually yeah. lighten the load on Claude Giroux. So two guys that could be the final 12th forward in the lineup. One, one player could be the extra, one could be the final guy. Katie, it's going to be a hot topic as we go into these exhibition and round-robin games. If you had to pick, if you had to pick, who would you like to see in the lineup and who do you think might be that extra? Firstly, am I just a broken record for saying this is a great problem that they could have? I feel like I've said that so many times, but this is another situation where this is a great problem to have. Do you put the older veteran guy in there that's been around, he's, he's seen the playoffs, he, he knows what it takes, or do you put in a younger guy that really will have like a fresh, maybe organic vision of this current situation and doesn't know any different anyway? Um, it really depends on what's, you know, what's the vibe. I, I know with Elaine Vino, he's even saying he's going to be switching it up quite a bit in the round robin play. Jordan, I know you heard that from him too, that this is going to be, you know, all wait and see sort of stuff. But I mean, really, if I'm giving, like, if I'm getting the whole vibe check on Elaine Vino, I would think that you have more of a sample size of Joel Faraby. You know where you're going to be, you know, able to really um, use him to your advantage. And I would think Joel Faraby would be in there first until – Maybe something doesn't give, but the great thing is that especially if you're playing maybe a more intense physical team, you put Nate Thompson in there to even add, you know, the extra size um, and the extra, you know, vision. And, and I don't even know what word to describe them, but veteran presence, um, that'll be really what the key is. And I think that's the nice thing too. It goes even with the goalie tandem. Like you can kind of play it out on what the uh, situation is going to be. But again, it's all going to start with that round robin play. Yes, it, it definitely will. And I agree. I would like to see Joel Farabee. That's just me. I like his offensive ability. I think he plays in all situations. I'm not worried about him when he's in there. Like, to me, what made him so productive for the Flyers was that as a 20-year-old that's talented and a first-round pick, sometimes they're a scorer bust type of player. Like, if they're not scoring, then they're not impactful. But Farabee was unique in the way that um, he contributed and he was effective when he wasn't scoring. So that's what I like about him. That's not a knock on Nate Thompson. I really like Nate Thompson. I like that they got him uh, at the time when they were banged up and they thought they could 
they could suffer injuries down the stretch. And what, what happens? They actually did. James Van Reams like gets hurt. Um, Nate Thompson himself actually got hurt right before the pause, but he is healthy yeah. now. But the fact is they're healthy. They're healthy because of the pause. They got time and they have these decisions to make. I think Nate Thompson will be a fine extra guy. How I could see it maybe playing out, Katie, like you said, is the round robin. Say Joel Farabee gets the exhibition game and then he plays the round robin. And he somehow comes out and he scores. He catches your attention. Then it kind of makes the decision for the Flyers. Well, hey, we have this young 20-year-old who just showed us that he's ready to go and he's ready to make his imprint with some offensive production. Uh, We can't sit him. But say Farabee plays those games and he kind of goes rather quietly. Maybe the Flyers start off the playoffs, that first-round series with Nate Thompson because he's the safe play and he's a guy that you know can go in there and he's not going to hurt you. And then maybe the Flyers fall in a bit of a hole and they really need, maybe need that offensive youthfulness of Joel Farabee. And then maybe that's when they go to Farabee. That's how I can maybe see it playing out. But like you said, Katie, not to sound like a broken record, it really is a good <laughs> problem to have. The Flyers have depth. Chuck Fletcher talked about it the other day, and it's good to see. Right. Katie, Emmer, thank you so much. It's always good to talk hockey. And we are, as we say it all the time, we are getting closer and closer and closer. So close. To Coming. To that 2014 tournament. It's going to be a great weekend. Every weekend is closer and closer, Jordan. Exactly. And the Flyers will continue to push through training camp, uh, and they are slated to go to Toronto, that hub city, on July 26th. But we'll have more training camp talk and much more analysis leading up to this tournament. But for now, thank you so much, Katie Emmer. Thank you, Ben Barry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, wherever you get your Flyers talk, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.